Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. So, there's been massive debate raging across the internet for months <laughs> on end. And it has months. seen no end. That is, should we let San Keys speak? And I'm vehemently opposed to having San Keys speak on the show. Why? Just because I feel like he offers no substantial... Substan- Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I feel like he offers absolutely no substantial substance to what we're talking about. I mean, the guy's not even 30. He's like 24, right? He has he has the fucking, uh, the aura of a, of a 13-year-old and probably the penis of one, too. He probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's probably never even seen a fucking pubic hair before. What is this guy going to know about anything? They're usually curly. <laughs> Man, I'm not talking about when you were working the corner. I'm talking about your own. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, well let's let's just, let's just let's just jump right. You know, we should we should switch seats. We should switch seats. You want to switch seats? Yeah. Really? Let's, let's get you okay, from behind. Fine. You want to get me from behind? Please don't. Is it that kind of episode? <laughs> Has he really been here this whole time? Yes. God damn. Most of it. Yeah. It's like a ninja. So for everybody that has been wondering. What Sankey sounds like. I'm still in debate. I don't know if I'm going to put an effect on his voice. So you actually still don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> He'll sound like the FBI informant during World War II. Oh, Deep, deep throat. throat? No, he wouldn't sound like Deep Throat. He sounded like Mary Poppins. Deep Throat. Was it the Cold War? It was a Cold War. Not, I thought that was with World the whole Watergate. Wasn't that Watergate? Yeah, it was Cold War. Oh, Cold Nixon? War. Yeah. yeah. Deep Throat. Shall we call you Deep Throat? You look like you got a nice supple throat there, boy. I don't like that you're staring at my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I have plans for that throat. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely making the show. Please don't make the show. So recently, I heard through the grapevine, being uh, Randy's pubic hair, that <laughs> you turned 30. I did. And upon turning 30, you did something. You actually, you didn't just go to a bar, get fucked up. You took it upon yourself to plan something out that meant something to you. So what was that? Exactly. I went back to the homeland. That's where my blood is from. So I went back to Colombia, not Russia. (laughs) (laughs) As it should be. In modo rosso. We drink vodka and only vodka. No, I went back to Colombia. So how was that? It was everything it should have been. And the reason is... I, I think I upped it a little too much. You hyped it up? Yeah. I mean, I when I take a trip, I usually don't go in there with a set of expectations. One, because I've probably never been to that spot before. And even if I have, it's it's I've been known to set expectations and fall short and just be disappointed. Two, it's really more of the whole spontaneity behind something that usually incites my, my excitement. You know? Well, spontaneity means a lot of money. And I didn't have that much. So <laughs> what I wanted to do was this, I just wanted to go back to where my parents were from okay. and, and find the ground in that. And I didn't even realize that my parents actually did not turn 30 in Colombia. Only Really? Yeah. So they turned 30 in the U.S.? In the U.S. Yeah, they were in New York. And how long ago was this? My turning 30 or theirs? Theirs. My parents are in their late 50s, early 60s. Okay. So, so it was a while ago. It was, it was half a, a lifetime long ago. time ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
before wow. before uh, Mr. Trump became president. So she, <laughs> so you're taking that's a marker that. in my life. <laughs> just so you know, you're taking essentially what they missed out on, and you're recreating that. So how did you ever discuss your trip with them? And I did. I think the use is great, but I don't want to have a milestone like that here because I felt like my blood was a lot richer than that. I felt like there's a lot more history and stories and everything involved. And I wanted to be there and I wanted to turn it there. And they just said, well, that's fine. You, you know, you can go there and blah, blah, blah. But they basically said, it's just going to start a whole, it's going to open up a can of worms. Like none of us have been back in 20 years. They're I don't think you something. should go back. That's what I thought was They're too. They're part of the cartel. <laughs> That's I what watch I mean. Narcos, man. I can smell that shit well, out now. Well, I'm a, I'm a you'd, be, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Actually, we are all linked to them. And and actually, I, I turned 30 in his city. I was in that city in Medellin. In Medellin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And of course, they revere him as anyone should because he gave a lot of money to the city. But at the same time, everyone kind of would just... They were just, they were all wondering why I was there. And well, we're wondering why you were there too. Well, yeah, I, I, don't think I, I was there. Well, I'll reach into that. I was there because I was trying to find meaning as far as like what my bloodline has to offer me. Well, isn't it what you make of your bloodline rather what your bloodline has to offer you? Not always. So explain. I just feel like we're all, you know, set up to be a certain way. We're all set up to be, you know, either we, we're aggressive or we're passive or we're this or we're that. So I just... And I'll and I'll reach into my history. So it got to a point where I realized that I act a certain way and I behave a certain way for a certain reason. And I needed to identify that reason. And going to my 30s, I said, I need to figure out what that is and why I behave that way or why I act that way or why. I, I wanted the whys. I needed the reason for that. And I, I looked back and I said, well, how have I grown up? Where did I grow up? What did I do? growing up you know who were the influencers in my life and it all came down to you know the education system here in the u.s my parents and also my religion i mean my family's christian and that they're very deeply christian so i had a certain sect of life that i feel like a lot of people don't always have and i wasn't exposed to a lot of things like i should have been and Growing up, it was just, uh, it it was a kind of a balance of both. So it's like, yeah, you're Latino and you're Hispanic, but also you are a certain, you know, sect of life. And that for me was what I wanted to pursue or figure out this year. And this year I turned 30. So earlier this year, I decided to go back and I went to what I quote and unquote call the fatherland, which is Israel. Mm. And the reason I went there was because that's the root of my faith. And when I was there, I was trying to figure out, like, why am I here? You know, what is the whole purpose of my faith? Why why do I believe certain things on left and right? I don't want to just read about it or hear about it. I want to see it and I want to experience it. And that's what I did in April when I went back to Israel. And it was one of those things where it's just like, I don't know. I read it about it. I, I've heard about it, but it wasn't the same. It was my own experience. And ever since then... It kind of just shifted what all my beliefs and my faith are and all that stuff. And then five months later, I turned 30, which is when I turned 30 in September. And I I said, I have to go back to the motherland then. I have to go back to where my roots are from. And so when I did that, I kind of, I had this whole image of, you know, I'll I'll get off the the plane and I'll be at the airport in the salsa immediately. (laughs) Because that's everything in my life. Like as soon as our family gets together, there's salsa. It's and not like edible salsa, but the music. <laughs> oh, I, you know? say, I had to clarify that. 
when I got off the plane, it was just like, well, this kind of looks like the Long Beach airport. <laughs> like that's how it felt. And so, so was that nostalgic for you or was that? <laughs> I guess I just, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm going to get shot. <laughs> well, <laughs> immediately my premonition was this is unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> you know the plane shifting left and right um but when we landed it, you know I, I just felt like okay so obviously we're not in a metropolitan area and because i had a layover in bogota which is the capital and then from there i went to i want to say medellin and it was just you could tell it's a small city and not as large as you know like la or new york and i landed and we got there and I just said, okay, well, whatever the influence is here, I'll absorb it. But I, I couldn't absorb. I couldn't because I'm not from there. And I realized that when I got there and spending a week there, I basically said, like, I, I'm not from here and I can't claim that I'm from here. And I used to do that when I was younger because it made me different. It made me special. Yep. It made me, mm. you know, oh, I'm, I'm not from America. I'm from here. But in reality, I, I'm from here. You're from Paramount. I, I'm not from Paramount, but I could have been. I love their churros. They have great churros in Paramount. I'm from Downey. Well, but, okay, so I grew up in Redondo Beach and then Torrance, a lot of Asians. And it, it ironically, I work for an Asian company now. And so I grew up with a lot of Asians and it was always about like prosperity and politeness. So you always have to be polite. And that's how I grew up. And so when I went back to Colombia, I went back with that stronghold where I basically said, I have to be polite and I have to speak prosperity. And when I got there, they could tell that I wasn't from there. And so they basically called me out and they said, so why are you here? You're an American, clearly. Why are you here? Mm. And I said, well, I'm trying to find meaning in my life. And I gave them the whole reasoning about all that stuff. And they said, nobody comes here for that. You're here for a different reason. Whoa. Yeah. It got a little heavy. And, I, and this was my Uber driver. By the way, Uber's illegal in Colombia. So if you're listening and you're trying to get an Uber in Colombia, you better be careful because you'll you'll get pulled over by the cops. What the fuck? Yeah. Why and you that? have to pretend that that's your uncle and your cousins and you related and you know each other. Uh. That that was kind of intense. But when I landed and, and they all said like, you're here for a different reason. And I said, well, well, you know, I have my reasons. I'm turning 30 this year. You know, I want to reconnect with my culture and blah, blah, blah. And so they, they all just said, do you feel like you lack identity? Is that why you're here? And and that for me was just like nobody's ever asked me that not even not here and so I I was just kind of saying well I don't I don't think so I feel like I'm you know my family's from here and I hear the music I you know I'm part of the culture I'm I'm just here to figure out why my parents left I want to know the why why so did they had, leave you, you actually had a reason right you had a purpose that was my purpose what would that have done for you well the other question is what would that have done for you. But how do you find the why without being able to ask the people that knew your parents? Well, I've been there three times. I went there when I was eight or nine years old. And that was when I should have asked the why. But at that time, my parents, there was a lot of conflicts because of the fact that my parents left. And I don't know if it's called a third world country at this point or a second world country or whatever it's called. But Developing. I guess. When people, when people stay in the country and they're waiting it out and people leave and then they come back. They expect something of you. And most of the time it's money. Yeah. And so they just think, well, you left us and now you're successful because clearly you haven't been back. You didn't come back home. So that means that you're fine wherever you are. Mm. And I feel like every time that my parents would go back, there was always an expectation. And so that, I think that's why my parents told me, don't go back. Just don't go there. Avoid it completely. And I did. 
but it was unfortunate because my parents, they're my story. They are the root of my story. Like they're the ones that gave me life, first of all. Secondly, they're the ones that are giving me my culture. And I wanted to connect with my culture. But I realized when I went back to Colombia, that culture is very, it's very unique to me because first of all, my parents are more American than they are Colombian. Mm. Like they came here in their late teens. They got married here, even though they've known each other or they, so my parents met when they were in four, my mom was four years old. My dad was seven, eight years old in Colombia, and they met there and they got married in the U.S. And then they had, you know, Voldemort. And from there, <laughs> that's his older brother. Okay, was, he won't. He won't listen to, to this what? episode. He he doesn't listen to anything. So, <laughs> okay. So you 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 go back, mm-hmm. and your parents ask you not to. They told me not to visit family. Not to members. visit family. Did they did they try to stop you from going back? Period. And they then, were hesitant. And then did they take any offense to you going like on this this journey of uh, discovery? I think after Israel, they just realized that I'm on a different. I'm on a different path mm. because neither of them had this opportunity. You know, at 30 years old, my father was, he was married for over a decade and Jesus. he had a son. He had a son. And my mother at 30 years old, she had me. My dad was 31. My mom was 28 when they had me, but they also had my brother. My mom was, well, my mom got married at 17 and then almost to the T, like one year later, she had a son. So she got pregnant three years, uh, I'm sorry, not three years, three months into the marriage. She got mm-hmm. pregnant and then she had uh, my brother and my dad was 21, 22. And so neither of them knows what my life is like, you know, living at home, kind of just like trying to figure yourself out, trying to figure out what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And so this is all, you know, these are those things where it's like they can't really provide advice beyond 21, 22. And so all they said was, well, just don't regret what you're doing tonight. Mm. And I take that with me every time. Every time I leave the house, I'm like, well, I won't. I won't regret it. And do you think that's because they regret something that they've done along the way? And so they're speaking from that experience? I think they saw their parents. Because my dad's parents, they were very young when they got married. And my mom the same way. And my mother's parents... My grandmother is, she's a great woman, but also she's done a lot of interesting things with her life. And they basically said, this is a great place to be. Because first of all, you don't have a family, you don't have kids. So you should figure out what you want to do. And I'm like, that's fine, but I'm also 30 years old. So what do I do at this point? Like, I don't, I don't have any markers. I don't, this is untrenched waters for me. You know, I don't, I don't know where to go from here mm. because nobody's done it before. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Or what is wrong in your eyes? And I think that's the problem is that I always look to my parents for advice. And, and I just try to figure out, like, what would you have done in my shoes? But they don't know because they, they were not my age living my same life. And, and that's when I try to figure out, like, okay, well, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Blah, blah, blah. But morally speaking, I'm, re- I'm really just, I'm living my own life in my own means. And that's scary. Because I don't have a marker. I don't, like, there's no zero point to me. I just, I try to figure it out. But we've talked about having and establishing a support structure mm-hmm. and system in your life that would help you kind of push through these boundaries and these obstacles. So clearly you don't listen to our show. 
<laughs> but I produce it, but I, I don't listen to it. No, but uh, real talk, <laughs> there have been times where we've we've experienced the same uh, pitfalls. And that's the thing about being 30 that is the hardest for a lot of people to cope with. It's the fact that they don't know where to go. And that's essentially why we're here. The, the, the point being is there is no right answer to that. There is no template. There is no way to say you can do this because there are boundless, countless amounts of opportunities and experiences but out there. I don't hear that. I don't hear that. Maybe. Nobody says that to me. Maybe you need to listen to our show a little bit more. No. <laughs> let, let the man <laughs> speak. So, even so. Speak. Here's the thing. In my day-to-day, I wake up. Okay, I wake up at whatever the time I wake up at. When the normally it starts. What? When the uh, clearly on a Saturday at seven thirty. <laughs> so there's music there, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't know what I'm doing, and so it, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, where do I go from here? What is success? What is it? Is it providing for your family? Is it providing enough for everyone else? Or is it my own my own turf, you know? The only person that's going to be able to answer that is you. And you need to take a hard look at what you're doing and evaluate exactly where you want to be and find out a way how to get there. And that's the thing. And, and, and I've spoken to this before. Once you put that out there, once you get that energy, that mentality behind your efforts, things will start kind of falling into place for you. I think what you don't understand, Turg, is that Knowing where you want to be and where you are now, figuring it out is the paralyzing part. That's 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 the hardest part of this entire thing. And that's where you have no one to pull from as far as experience goes. You don't need to. You do need to sometimes. You absolutely need at least some inspiration. I'll say that much. Like you need something to inspire you, some movement, some catalyst. You need something. Because when you're going from zero to wherever you want to be, how like, why would you want to go to 100? Why, why leave zero? Because you have to have some goals at the end of that. But is, is that, that the American supplement. dream? Ab- absolutely, because the American dream consists of a bunch of ideas that were put forth by people that came before those people that put but forth those But were those, those my people? It doesn't matter. It Your does people matter. Are it here does. Now. It and does, that's though. what you literally just said not too long ago. Your people are here now. That is not you. This is you. You live here Which in is what this I'm, moment. Exactly. Which is what I'm saying. I woke up and the, the minute I opened my eyes, obviously, when I was born, was in the U.S. And that's all I've known my whole life. But there's an influence on me. And my influence is they, didn't, they weren't born here. They didn't wake up here. They don't know about all this. I do. So all they do is they just try to provide. And my generation has figured out if they're going to provide, then I can do whatever the hell I want. But at the same time, when your parents can't provide, then what do you do? I honestly don't think that you're giving your parents a lot of credit. I think your parents know a lot more than you think they know. They're just not letting it on because they want to preserve what you are as a person in their eyes. That could be true. It could be true, but it could also be true that they just can't identify with the same experience. It's different. It's different. They got married at 20. They had a baby by 22. He's 30, exploring different territories. Well, your dad's an architect, right? Yeah. Which, uh, did he ever do his own firm? Yeah, he did. Okay, so he had his own firm. He had his own business. So he has an understanding of what it is to try to establish something. So Mm -hmm. there's a relatability there. But to be in your 30s and 
not be a parent or married. Exactly. They don't know that. Exactly. And and to people that are doing that, or more so to folks that are older that are doing that and that have already done that, they might look to us like, okay, well, what's wrong? Why haven't you done that? Not necessarily, how can I guide you through you figuring out what you're trying to figure out? That's where a lot of my, uh, I guess, confusion stems from is you're using your parents as a template for something that they can't provide you with. So stop using them as a template. Which is what I'm doing this year. So I guess I'm filling the bridge gap between why you're still trying to use that or why you've been using that up to now. If there's a failing, or I wouldn't say failing, that might be too strong of a word, but if there's an effort of a perception that isn't fulfilling what you wanted to get out of life, why keep trying to go down that pathway to, to attain that perception or, or to get something close to that when you know, when you knew rather right off the bat that wasn't for you? Mm. Why keep pursuing that? I just felt like my parents were a product of their environment and I don't live in the same environment. So my trajectory in life is going to be a little different than theirs. Well, uh, absolutely. And I, I would 100% support that statement. But why then parallel your life with with that of your parents? You are your own Because person. that's all you know. When that's all you know and that's all you're experienced, that's what you're going to do. Once you start opening, the, not to say the floodgates, but opening up your life to other people's experiences and learning from them. That's that's an uncomfortable feeling because when you use your family as a reference point, I think John can can relate to me in the sense of I've looked at certain people in my family as, okay, well, I've seen how this played out for you and the, the path that I put you on, and that's not the direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anyone that's paved a path that is similar to my own, and I am in a foreign territory. And so it's like it's hard to talk to my parents about, okay, what should I do here? Outside of being a moral compass for me. I, I get you guys. I get you guys. Mm-hmm. And, and the one underlying theme here is you probably need someone that's not your family to help you. And and this is me speaking. I have not looked to my family for anything. I've been on my own since 18. I have never looked back. And that is probably the one thing that I, I can differentiate out here. The common denominator between success and ability is the act of doing Mm-hmm. But before you do that, there's a missing piece. And you're absolutely right there. You need to be able to be inspired. You need a catalyst. You need to see something, put it up on the wall and say, that's what I want to do. But if you haven't surrounded yourself with that type of environment, you're it's going to be virtually impossible for you to see outside of that window. Exactly. Right? Well, and I'll argue this from the immigrant standpoint. It's all about survival. That's a great point. And at 18, you left home. You moved, what, six hours away? Essentially, yeah, three, four hundred miles, yeah, three, four hundred miles away. That is essentially you going into your own new world, new bubble, new everything. So, you being 18 on your own, we won't even talk about the fact if whether your, your dad helped you buy the house from Riverside or not, because that is also a big did. factor in, in establishing yourself, mm-hmm. right? You stayed local for college, I stayed local, and I stayed in my bubble. Right, I didn't venture out to pop the bubble until maybe I was 22, 23 and going in a different direction and embracing the idea that I wanted to do that. So at 18, you popped your bubble. Yeah, I didn't have an option. I didn't have a choice. And that's you a did, problem. but there was a girl, but we can talk about that a whole nother day. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with, uh, with it coming so late, and we've talked about this on the show before, 
is that it sets you back a little bit. So mm-hmm. now I think the pressure of you trying to catch up is overwhelming you and stifling your ability to move forward and really do what you feel like you need to do. Well, I'll argue this. I've become a homeowner before all my friends. Mm-hmm. And the reason was not because I was trying to compete with them. It was because I felt I'm ready. And the reason I felt ready was because my parents basically told me, you can do this with or without us. And you can choose to do this. And I, I forego all the security blankets. I basically said, if I lose my job, it's fine. And I'll still do it. And I did it. And what happened when you were in escrow? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I lost my job. <laughs> so I opened escrow and I lost my job uh, probably two weeks in. And I participated in a wedding. And by the way, mind you, I was I was twenty two thousand twelve. How old was I? Twenty five. So I was twenty five years old, and I was participating in two weddings within ninety days. And they were both my closest friends. The first one was in April, and the second one was in June. And in April, I was starting escrow, which is when I participated in my best friend's wedding at the time. And I great I gave a great speech. I don't know if she still credits me for it. And then afterward, in another best friend in June, and they got married. And I ended up going on their honeymoon. They invited me. I wasn't a participant. I was just there. You're in the closet <laughs> watching. I was not in the closet. Were you filming? I, I could have been. <laughs> I would have charged a lot less. No. I um <laughs> they less. those friends that 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 couple, they're fantastic. They're they're so welcoming of anyone and everyone. And they basically said, we want to go on this cruise and we feel like our good friend should go. And I got invited. And so I said, of course, why not? But also that was my week of closing escrow. And so I said, you know what? Why not? Who cares? Either I get the house or I don't. And so I took off. I went on the cruise. I got an email because I was paying the $10 a day or the $15 a day to get the carnival email, <laughs> whatever, because I was on carnival cruise lines. And they uh, they sent me an email and they said, you just got the house. We're going to give the keys to someone. And I said, okay, that's fine. Give it to my parents. And they said, okay, we got it. And they gave the keys to my home to my parents while I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and I became a homeowner. But it shouldn't have happened because I was making chump change. And I'm still making chump change. So I was making less than I should have been. And I qualified somehow out of random, you know, happenstance. Funny math. <laughs> a lot a lot of funny math it's a lot of funny a lot of Latino Asian math, math. Yeah. <laughs> and so from there I just I became a homeowner and after that happened I basically said if I can do that and people aspire to own a home like there's a lot of aspirations you know I'll own a home when I'm 30 35 I was 25 at the time I don't think I've ever met someone that wanted to own a home I really? I want to own a home no I don't think I fuck her I'm did joking. you not <laughs> my parents were talking to me about getting my real estate license since I was like 22 and my dad was just because my dad is an architect so he was just basically saying you should get this license and you should do this and you should open a construction company and so they were planning out my whole trajectory and I, I hated math and I hated calculating whatever, and I didn't like it. But either way, I listened to them, and I became a homeowner. And so when I came back home, and I lent or docked or whatever, I had the keys to my place. And that's still been my place to today. But it wouldn't have happened had it not been for my parents. And I feel like because of their experience, that is why I own a home. Mm. I would have never chosen that for myself. Have your parents ever opened up to you about 
a lot more than just what they wanted you to do, what they saw for you, as in their life, their experiences, what they've seen, people they've interacted with. Have your parents ever shared their personal lives with you? My grandmother, she's suffering from dementia now. Mm. And recently, my mother starts to talk to me about her childhood. And I just think, how did you become the person you are today? Why did you? Because I feel like everybody chooses who they will be. I don't feel like it's assigned to you, you know, like out of all the traumatic experiences that you live, you choose who you want to be. I've lived through a ton of them. I've lived through, you know, physical trauma, mental trauma, sexual trauma. I've lived through a lot of things and I choose who I am today. And I asked her and I said, I don't get it. Why? And, and her answer is always because I knew you were coming and I wanted to be better for you. And I said, I need to be a parent because of my mother. I need to be a parent. Why? Because I want to give that to the next generation of people. Like, this world will continue beyond Donald Trump. I'm sorry, but they will. And how do we give to the community that will be the future? How, how do we do that? With anecdotes and with teaching skills that are not taught at school. I didn't, I didn't learn compassion at school. I didn't learn empathy at school. I learned it at home. I, I have a relative, and it's a very close relative, who has done a lot to me. And this one person has affected my life in very negative ways. But at the same time, it, it was a lesson. And it was a lesson in teaching, you know, all of us are pursuing something. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a goal in mind or if you don't have a purpose, you're lost. So if you don't build a purpose, then you're going to try and find one and you will assign any little tiny purpose that you can. For example, I'm the guy that provides the solo cups at the party. I'm the guy that does. But it's, it's an assignation of, of what you want to be because you want a purpose. Right. And that was my whole reason for traveling. And I wanted to find my connection with my faith. And the second was going to Columbia when I turned 30. I wanted to be there. And when I was there, it, it was a lackluster. It was just like, I'm not from here. I'm not, I, I don't connect with here. And these are my parents' times. I was expecting you to say that you felt some type of nostalgia in, in being there, like something that's reminiscent of your childhood or uh, experiences, you know, or, or just getting on the plane and seeing people that felt familiar, right? Mm -hmm. or, or the opposite of just like being there and seeing there's so much more opportunity for you to be what you strive to be or what you are looking for, whatever the case is. So you got none of those feelings. None. And I'm trying to find meaning in a land that's not mine. That was the one problem that I had when, with your whole, I guess, the expectations that you set for yourself. And you're kind of setting, in the nicest way of saying it, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Essentially, by going there. Because you had to have known a part of you had to have known that if these expectations are not fulfilled, this is going to be a shitty trip. Yeah. Right. And an expensive trip. Exactly. Yeah. But not only that, I don't honestly think that you could put price on a, a price tag on a lesson mm -hmm. because you've learned a lot, regardless of whether or not you think you have, you have learned a lot. And most importantly, you've been able to learn about yourself a little bit more and push yourself a little bit more. For me, it's really hard to relate. Primarily because, one, I, I've never lived at home as an adult. Mm, that's major. Yeah. I've never lived at home as an adult. I've Even always when you went to grad school back up north? Never. Well, oh, no. I had my own place. I mean, I was away for years, but now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the difference, though. You had 
you you kind of had you know you kind of had to right because yeah. that was your support system well and also there was a few other factors but i'm sure right some people and that's the thing a lot of people don't have that option they don't have any other option so and that's perfectly fine the one problem that i have with that is that and, and this is coming from a good place you didn't put yourself out there right you're you right. kind of stayed in your own world no you're and right you did that yeah. knowing that you weren't going to get anywhere and you were comfortable with that. Yeah. But now you had a coming of age and this is spectacular. This is like a breakthrough for you. And the reason is because I grew up here. And you had that, you, you can be afforded that opportunity to now breach the surface of whatever precipice you're on and move forward with your life, right? Well, and I'll even touch on that. The American dream is very strong and I feel like that has influenced me a lot. How? I feel like, I could be this, or I could be that, or I could do this, or I could do that. So the opportunity, but when right? When I opportunity is bounteous, if that's even a word, mm. it is right. <laughs> Bountiful. Bountiful. Great. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the show. What's your name? <laughs> is there a U accent? It's heard. So I feel like even so, I'm taught to always be less than, and the reason is because we don't want to disrupt whatever's happening here. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be those people. We don't want to draw any attention sure, to ourselves. Sure. But that's the immigrant mindset. It's always the immigrant sure. mindset. Yeah, I can. Where just fit in and be quiet. Fit in and be quiet. <laughs> Shut your mouth and that's it. And if, if you humble yourself and if you behave a certain way and act a certain way, then you'll be just fine and you'll coast. But at the same time, there's no success. Mm. There's no American success. It's just you're coasting and you're fine and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want that. You know, there was one thing in my teenage years that I remember and kind of echoing a lot of what you just said in a nutshell. Know your place. Right. And that bugged the fucking shit out of me. I I don't know if our listeners have picked up on this or you guys have picked up on this, but I'm a very defiant person. <laughs> if you tell me to do something and there is no foundation to it or there's no premise to it and it just doesn't make sense, it's just like your opinion, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. But when you do that, you're carving a path for your children. And that's perfectly fine because and I And they know need to be strong enough to carve that path with you not necessarily because by the time that my children are old enough that path will be firmly established you would hope so uh that's the thing with me there's no hoping it comes with a level a certain level of determination determination from knowing and seeing the things that i've been able to experience Mm -hmm. within the past well i'll say this much 12 years i'm very pragmatic but my parents they assumed we and and when i say we the Latino American, the hyphened American, they assumed we'd be a lot more advanced than we are today. And that's the whole reason why they came here. And so what I find offensive is when people like me, and I'm I'm light-skinned as hell. Everyone knows that. People, <laughs> I get called out about that stuff all the time. The huero. <laughs> they say Juelito. I'm like, yeah, I'm white passing and whatever that means. But at the end of the day, I look like a cholo to most people when I don't dress appropriately. So I, I'm not white passing and, and I try to push it. And, and I realized that I was, I realized that I was, I always thought like, oh, I'll get that job. Of course. Oh, I'll get this. Or I'll, when I interview for that, of course, because I can hide my last name. Even if, if I could have on my own resume, I would have put my first name, which is very white, Jonathan, my, my middle name, Michael. 
and my last name, I'll hide it. I'll, I'll give a dot on it. It's just an S, but it's Sanchez. And like we were touching on the um, the future episode, so I hope you guys are all listening. But there's the touch on the fact that, you know. Are we, are, hold on. Are we going back in time? We're going I, in. I don't uh, know. I'm, I'm he's he's calling time. out episodes that we've recorded in the past. I think that's pretty amazing. Right? Okay, okay, okay. Because you should the always. Future episode? You should give me a mic all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck the future episode is. Do, do, do tell because I need to learn. <laughs> it's the fact that there's a major change when you hit the next decade. Explain. I realize that I'm getting older, and there are a few things that I can't go without. Number one, my health, and I feel like you got you guys can both talk about this. Like there there are certain things that happen when you start reaching the upper echelons of your age that you can't go without. Number one, your digestive issues. Like I <laughs> absolutely <it>. bus <laughs> meet Turg and Randy. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've been lactose intolerant for five years, and I didn't even know that until yesterday. Oh. What? So <laughs> I, I think five years ago you knew, <laughs> but I like, I man, was in why denial. Am I taking these absolutely massive shits <laughs> after I eat a bowl of cereal. Like this does not make any sense. But I love cereal. Man, I hate cereal. I hate milk. <laughs> I love cheesecake. Do you? I will eat cheesecake left and right. But cheesecake hates you. She does. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is a fickle mistress, that <laughs> cheesecake. But there's a lot of decisions that you make, you know, and, and it's all physical or you, biological, I guess, you know, like maybe yeah, so I won't. you think there's this predisposition? Yeah, of course. Right? I don't. I think so. I don't. Really? Because I think every decision that you make in your daily life, you affirm the next step. Every choice, every thought has a consequence. Has a consequence. And those consequences cannot be predisposed. It's that's but virtually they shift impossible. with age. They do shift with age. I'm not arguing that, but uh, I'm saying that you're focused too much on the predisposition of the human nature when I'm 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 saying that you cannot be predisposed to any avenue. You have a a, a multitude of avenues open to you. You just have to make the right decisions to get you there and you have to set yourself up mentally Mm-hmm. in order to accept those decisions and to accept the fact that those decisions might not always be the right decisions. And, and this is a universal principle. We're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. We're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And that's how you learn. That's how you build upon. And that's is how that you 30 though? Is that 30? Uh, this was way before, man. Is I've that been you at 30 or is that me at 30? This is me at 18. This is you at 18. This is me at 18. This is... this. It's not a universal, okay, you're 30, now this fucking begins. It depends on when you wake up and you make that conscious decision to move forward with your life. Because quite honestly, you have not been moving forward with your life. What what brought you into that mindset? I, I honestly can't answer that because there wasn't one catalyst to that to that foundational mentality. It was a bunch of mentors, experiences, conversations, uh, things that just opened me up to say, there is no way that you're going to get anywhere in life without being aggressive and going after what you want to get and not letting anything stand in your way. I call bullshit Mm. because if you think that everybody wants to be a leader and it's till they have one experience that deters them from it, there's no reason that you shouldn't have one moment that made you realize 
okay, now I'm going to change my entire disposition and become more aggressive in pursuit of what I feel needs to happen in my life. No, not necessarily. There have been a series of things that when when I phrased that leader sentiment uh, probably months ago. That was season one with uh, Chris. I think that whole that whole conversation revolved around a different set of, I guess, circumstances. The interior of that thought is that people are easily deterred. And that's the thing. What kicks you off the horse can easily keep you down off that horse for the rest of your fucking life. I will argue and say that I feel like when people are in that predisposition of being manipulated, then th- that will happen. And but when I, when I have a focus, you won't derail me. Well, that's the thing. It's one, you're, you're very true. When people are determined and they have that level of determination behind them, they are, the human spirit is virtually un, unflappable. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is you said it succinctly and very, very well earlier when you said we have been cultured as minorities to be kept down. Mm. And that's a problem, yes. right? Mm. And, and my whole, the whole foundation behind that is I have been opposed to that since as long as I can remember. Because but your opposition breeds my success, which is what I'm saying. Uh, true people to like extent, you, true to people like you that will choose to and exude glory, right? You will get me farther than I could ever mm. because someone like you is a trailblazer. Are you not? Mm. I, I, I've never really thought about it that way. Shut up, so the have. next time, the next time I apply, <laughs> hey, well, listen I to don't me, like Portland, Turk, so. <laughs> Turk, someone like you in a company like, you know, the one you work for, if I was to apply and if you were to interview me, right, and I would exude that same spirit, you would hire me. Yeah. But if it was not you. If it was someone that has had privilege since day one, and if it was someone that didn't identify with everything that I identify with, all the skills that I've been building as a minority, what would my interview be like? It, it probably wouldn't succeed. It'd be a little different because I've been there. I've applied. I've interviewed. But at the same point being, when you have somebody that understands the struggle and you can identify the struggle, of course you will, you will push them. 100% right. However, I think that now more than ever, people are actually opening themselves up to the experiences of others and understanding their plight and being able to relate without actually having experienced what those people have experienced. Out of requirement or out of sympathy? No, just out of proximity. Because of the fact that they're surrounding themselves with these kinds of people, Mm -hmm. not by choice, by circumstance, Mm -hmm. that they're being exposed to these things. And this is the American... I guess the true American melting pot and it's happening as we speak. The American experience is that we're able to mesh and meld and blend all these different experiences and distill them down into one. I wouldn't say one mindset, but a a commonality, right? And that we've all been through shit Mm -hmm. and that we've all experienced shit. I can say that this person, person a and person B have experienced polar opposite dealings in, in throughout their life. But up to that point in their life where they interact, they will find parallels that will help them identify with each but other. Who identifies those parallels? Every, everybody does. That's how but we, you we can. draw if I, parallels If I met you on, today, on if I applied to a job today and you were the one interviewing me, what would you do to identify me? Uh, I'm failing to, to see where... 
<laughs> so that's what I'm saying. In an inter- interviewer and interviewee circumstance, it's it, it happenstance is great, right? But at the same time, it, it's not because I have experiences that you don't know about, and I won't put on my well, resume. Well, the challenge as an interviewer is to get those experiences out and to but make what kind sense of questions of do you ask at that point? Situational questions, behavioral questions. I'll give you one. That will I'll give, give you one. I'll give you one question. Your experience. What's the worst experience that you've ever had? The worst one. That's a terrible interview question. Well, that's fine. You can judge me, but I've had great talent. And how did you overcome that? Positive or negative? How so did you overcome in, that? in their personal life and professional life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not, I will say nine out of 10, they'll give me an experience that I can relate to. And you want to know why? Because at the end of the point, everyone wants empathy. Everyone wants empathy. The minute I call in to customer service about, hey, you know, my Hulu account is not pulling up, blah, blah, blah. I call in. I want empathy. I want empathy. You want understanding. Is that not empathy? Uh, To an extent. I want somebody to hear me out and say, I know what you're feeling and I can find a solution for you. That is sales and that is customer service and that is the American dream. So if you don't provide that... Then clearly you're not you're you're not meant to be here, and that's what I've been hearing since I was born. Find a solution, and I'm like I don't I don't know what that means. I don't I don't know what that means because I clearly don't have, do identify with people that are a subculture. You know I I don't I don't because I know my parents. I know how we were brought up. I know how I was brought up. But my culture is a little different than everyone else's. So at this point, what do I do? Do I assimilate for sales or do I just maintain my identity as is like th- and that's the question that i have and there's i don't have an answer for that i don't not even today and you probably won't find one because you're going to be so enveloped in searching for an answer that you're going to forget about what you're really searching for <laughs> which is hence my year the call out there and and the message that i want to make very clear here is stop trying to identify with something and just be you and by being you you will set a precedent for everyone else around you. And, and I know that's hard to kind of put your mind, uh, wrap your mind around. Yeah, because the hardest thing to do is to accept who you are. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, that's the growing uh, pain that you feel going into 30, right? Going in and realizing this is who I am and it is okay. But and there, there may not be people that agree with that and there may be people that but you would be surprised. You. you would be surprised. Yeah. Isn't that the message that we put forth almost every single episode that we record? Be you. Be comfortable with you. Know yourself. Love yourself and everything else will fall into place. Because if you are confident in who you are as a person, nothing else matters. Just because we say it doesn't mean it becomes any easier to attain it or experience it or to You're live in it. You're absolutely right. The listeners that listen to this podcast, I'll say this much. There's so much diversity there. There's so much to learn. And I feel like I want to connect with all of them. Even though I'm not mic'd. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> because of Turk, mostly. <laughs> Turk. <laughs> they should hit us up. Put the accent Send me a question. Send us a question and say, hey, I, how would you address this? Because look at us. In this room, there's so much diversity and so much inclusion. Okay. There's so much to be learned here and so much to draw from. And I just feel like they should ask because that's what I did growing up. 
I would ask, you know, my neighbors left and right. I grew up with Asians. I work for an Asian company now. Mm -hmm. And that is a difficulty in itself. It's destiny. <laughs> well, I, I, I was, uh, what is it? What is it called? Oh, I don't know. You, you're better at this than me. What? Conditioned mm. at a young age. Mm. That and, makes sense. Well, yeah. I grew up in San Francisco. <laughs> you, you like bagels? Uh, no. Then you're not from San Francisco. I do like bagels. <laughs> I do. He's, he's being that guy, just to be that guy. He's being the guy to be speaking. But at the same time, I want the listeners to say, what makes me uncomfortable? And how would you guys address it? Because that's 30. Hmm. So if people want to ask you a question, John, where can they find you? If you choose to find me. <laughs> which is very plausible. <laughs> Mostly with maracas. I'm at Sankey's. S-A-N-K-E-Y-Z Anywhere and everywhere and all over the place <laughs> And Tarek, where can the people find you? You can find me Conchichis on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> This guy <laughs> At Conchichis <laughs> Conchichis says no <laughs> You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Turg says no And Randy you can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. Adios. Con Dios. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes. And if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turk. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. Hey, so there was one more thing that we wanted to do this year. Do you remember what it was? No, what was it? We wanted to get naked in mud wrestle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had to wake Sankey's up. I'll be so seven. I love the number seven. Why? Because I was born in seven. So anyway, there's, um, there's two weddings that I went to. You don't cough on my fucking shirt. Shut your ass, bitch. <laughs> Shut your ass, bitch. I can't ask the fur. No, you don't. You don't. It's not a requirement. It's not a requirement. <laughs> the FDA says it I'm does not. It does yes. not. I'm a little more Randy. You gonna get real on this episode? I was gonna do it. All right. Look at this little blue back over here. Trying to take a back seat. Turkey, turkey. Let's go. Where's that? Let's fuck this. I'm gonna have a fucking hangover tomorrow. Fuck you. Alright, so. Deep throat. Shall we call you deep throat? Please don't. I think you can take it pretty deep. You look like you got a nice supple throat there, boy. I don't like that you're staring at my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I have plans for that throat. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely making the show. Please don't make the show. <laughs>